0: Great to be here with you as we begin a new year together and uh, open God's Word together. So let me uh, lead us in prayer as we do that. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your love and your goodness to us in so many ways over the year gone. And Father, as we face this year ahead, we pray that you will continue to uh, to bless us and keep us uh, and lead us in your ways. And Father, as we look now to your Word, we pray that you would open your word up to us, and that you would open our hearts up to your word, that we might hear what you say to us, and that we might respond in ways that please you, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, have you ever been rescued? I've uh, got myself into a few situations over my years where I've needed rescuing. A uh, few times with my first car, which was so reliable, uh, it broke down on numerous occasions, and a couple of those times, you know, right in the middle of peak hour, in the worst possible location, and the only you know, I required somebody to come and rescue me. Uh, There are times, uh, in fact there's probably too many times, when I've run out of petrol driving and again I've needed somebody to come and get me or at least to bring along the spare petrol can. And then there's another time when I got bogged on a deserted forestry track that I thought would be a good idea to go and have a bit of explore down in the middle of nowhere and uh, found myself with quite a hike to try and find somebody who could again come and rescue me. Actually, as a reflect on that, it's probably best that you never get a lift with me, um, and that way you'll be safe. <laughs> but the most important time I was rescued was at Cronulla Beach. Uh, I was only young, I was uh, still learning to swim, but of course that didn't stop me going out as far as I could into the waves. But then suddenly the sand seemed to drop away, and... And then as the waves rose up I could only just keep my head above water and it was only in the trough of the waves that I could actually touch the bottom and and I'd try to push myself back towards the shore but the current was too strong and just pushed me back the other way and my feet slipped and the more I tried, the more the sand slipped and the weaker I got and suddenly I realised that I wasn't getting out of there on my own. I needed to be rescued. Fortunately, one thing I had learnt about swimming was that you put your hand up when you're in trouble. Unfortunately, mum and dad thought that I was waving at them. So I kept my hand up until finally dad realised something was wrong and he waited out, because it was probably only up to his waist, uh, and, uh, and grabbed me and was able to pull me out of the water. And I can tell you, the beach never felt so good. It was such a relief. I was just so thankful to Dad for rescuing me. Well, Psalm 40 begins with David being rescued, rescued from a slimy pit full of mud and mire. Uh, Like the sand under my feet at the surf, every foothold just gave way and slipped him back further into trouble. What he needed more than anything was a good, solid step to stand on. And, of course, that's what God God gave him, David says. He says in verse 2, He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, we don't have a record of David being placed in a pit like this, although there were times when he had to hide in caves. Uh, But uh, whether this was an actual pit or just a figurative one, God's rescue was very real. David had waited, he'd waited for God to respond to his cries for help. And it was God who lent his ear toward David, heard his cry and responded. And you can hear David's relief in his response to this In verse 3, where he says, God put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Uh, He was renewed, wasn't he? he? He had a newfound vigor and purpose. His trust in God was refreshed. Whatever the situation had been, whatever had looked so bleak and hopeless, it was now behind him. Now he was on solid ground. Now he could move forward again. You see, he had been reminded again that God is good all the time. And so he declares in verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. That's where real blessing is found. Or in verse 5, Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us no one can recount to you. There would be too many to declare. God is good. He is so good to his people. Like a loving father, he delights in giving his children good things. So how do we respond to a loving God like this? How do we repay him for his loving kindness? For his rescue. When he was a young man, Martin Luther, the uh, the great reformer of the 1500s, was caught in a wild storm. Lightning was uh, was striking around him. In fact, one lightning strike was so close that it actually knocked him to the ground from the uh, the blast. And he cried out to Saint Anne, "I will become a monk." Now, having been born a monk, I can only agree that this is a good thing. (laughs) But how often do we make that sort of a deal with God? You know, Lord, I'm in a troubled spot here. Get me out of this and I'll... Well, you can fill in what your deal with God might be. And for Israel, God had even given them a way of expressing their thankfulness to him. He'd given them sacrifices of thanksgiving. That they could make. But here in Psalm 40, David knows that even this isn't really the heart of what God wants from us. And so he says in verse 6 sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So what God really desires from us is our obedience, not sacrifices. And so God opened David's ears so that he could hear God's word and know how to obey it. David came to God, seeing that he was to be the righteous leader that God wanted for his people. And so David's desires were changed so that he now wanted to follow God's will and God's law from the heart. And so as David rejoiced in God's rescue, he knew that he needed to respond in obedience, not just sacrifice, not just continuing commitment to sacrifices, but God's salvation demanded a whole new outlook and direction, one of following God and living in obedience to him. But David response, David's response to God continues in verses 9 and 10, where he says, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I do not. Uh, uh, instead, I speak your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. See, as David knows the greatness of God's rescue, as he feels the relief and the the overwhelming sense of thankfulness to God, it's something he just can't keep in. God has given him this new song of praise and, and David sings it out loudly. When the people come together, David doesn't hide what God has done for him. No, he he, he proclaims it to everybody. And it's not David's righteousness or, or how important David is that he tells them. No, he speaks of God's faithfulness, of God's salvation, of God's love and truth. How do we go at telling each other about God's rescue for us, of what he's done for us? We could do better, couldn't we? But just amongst ourselves, sharing how God is good to us, let alone outside of these walls, and sharing with our whole world the goodness of God towards us. But David realises that he doesn't need just to be saved once by God. He needs continuing rescue and help from his God. It's all too easy for us, isn't it to, to look to God in those times when things are tough when when things are difficult, when we're beyond ourselves, but then when things are going smoothly, we forget about God and we just go back to living our th- living our lives our way and doing our own thing we can we, we can cope from here, God, thank you, at least until next time we find ourselves in a spot of bother, but David recognizes that he continues to need god's help. He's only too aware of the continual battles from both outside but also from within himself that can put him back in danger. And so he continues to call out to God for that help in verses 11 and 12. He says, do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. And as he faces trouble, he doesn't try to take things into his own hands. He doesn't seek revenge, but he keeps relying on God and looks to God as the one who will bring about justice. And so he says, be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to my help. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, ha be appalled at their own shame. See, if those who seek his life are going to be put to shame and confusion, then, then God will do it, not David. If those who try to catch David out and, you know, those who are quick to say, aha, we saw you in order to shame him, if they're going to be appalled at their own shame, then then that will be God's doing, not David's. It reminds me of the times when David could easily have taken Saul's life, when Saul was chasing after him with the army and, and, and would have taken the opportunity, any opportunity to kill David in an instant. But even when David has Saul at his fingertips, he doesn't take things into his own hands. He will not attack the Lord's anointed king. He will leave that to God. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to really trust God in those sorts of situations when everything is against us, when, when there are people who are attacking us and, and, and making their accusations against us. It's so much easier and it feels so much more satisfying to to be with those who say, Aha, see, I caught you out. To point the finger at other people's mistakes and get them back. Rather than to trust God and let him bring justice in his time. But that's not how David responds. Instead of focusing on others, David puts his focus squarely on God as he continues in trust in him. And so he prays in verse 16, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. Here is David's response to God's rescue. He will obey his God. He will praise God and tell of the greatness of what he's done. And he will trust God in all of his life, in everything he does. And as we've had this surface look, I guess, at, at Psalm 40, there, there are lots of ways that we can read ourselves into the psalm in the place of David, that we can see where there are times when God rescues us and, and how we need to respond in these ways. But we need to be careful not to, uh, not to be too quick to read the psalms as being about us and our situation. Uh, if we do that, we can, we can miss so much of what the Psalms are really saying. Because we need to remember who David was. Yes, David was one of God's people. But he wasn't just any one of God's people. He was the king of Israel. He was God's anointed leader and ruler over his people. He was the Christ, Christ David. And so if we're going to read the Psalms properly, and especially the Psalms of David, like this one, then rather than reading ourselves into them, we first need to read the Christ, Jesus Christ, into them. Because it's only as we start to see how the Psalm points us to Jesus that we will properly understand how the Psalms apply to us as well. And the New Testament helps us out with this psalm because the writer to the Hebrews quotes this psalm and applies it to Jesus for us. Hebrews chapter 10 uh, puts forward an argument that Jesus does away with the sacrifices of the temple. And in doing so, it quotes verses 6 to 8 of this psalm. And so Hebrews 10 uh, in verses uh, seven, uh, sorry, 5 to 7 the writer says therefore when christ came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased then i said here i am it is written about me in the scroll i have come to do your will o god and then it goes on in the verses following to explain that passage and says First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire, nor will you please with them, although the law required them to be made. And then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first, that's the Old Testament sacrifices, to establish the second, which is doing God's will. And by that will... We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, who is Psalm 40 about? Who is the one that God lifts up out of a hole and sets on solid ground? Who is the one who says, here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. Who is the one who perfectly does God's will from the heart? Who praises God and proclaims God's righteousness and love and truth to all the world? Who perfectly trusts God to protect and keep him safe from his enemies and looks to God as his deliverer? Was it David? Well, he certainly followed God closely and trusted him, but he was also full of his own sin. Is it supposed to be us with all our weaknesses and our failings? Could we ever match up to this standard? No, Psalm 40 is about Jesus. He is the one who brings salvation. He is the one who is overtaken by sin, not his own sin, But our sin, as he takes our sin on himself to the cross, following his Father's will, being the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, as he goes to the cross looking to God, trusting in him to be his help and his deliverer. He is the one who is rescued. And he is the one who brings the rescue to us. What an incredible salvation. What an amazing rescue God has done. See, God does so much more for us than simply getting us out of scrapes and difficulties we put ourselves into. He does much more for us than than give us good health and and, and a, and a, a job that we need. Yes, he does these things for us, but he does so much more. God has sent his own son to save us from our sins, to rescue us from the grave, to lift us up and to set our feet on his son, the rock in heaven forever. And it's not based on whether we respond enough. It's not whether we trust and obey God enough or praise him enough. No, he has done it all for us. We simply need to have the attitude that this psalm ends with. I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. If you want to be rescued, You need to put up your hand and say, I cannot do it myself. But Lord, you are the one who can rescue me. And what an incredible salvation that is. What an incredible thing our God has done for us that we have been lifted out of the slimy pit, that we have had our feet set on a solid rock. What a great thing to rejoice in. As we start a new year, what better thing could there be to be reminded of than that God is our Saviour, that he has rescued us. And how should we respond to what Jesus has done? Well, we could never do it enough, but that's not what, the, what is required. But the response is, as we see in this psalm, it's to do as Jesus did, it's to do as David describes. It is to focus our desire on doing God's will, the will that he has written in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. It's to take up that new song of praise that he's given us as we remember afresh the salvation he has won so that we will speak out of his faithfulness and his salvation. And it is to keep trusting in Jesus as the one who saves us. Even when our sins and our enemies surround us, even when things are difficult and times look tough, even when things are going well, and we think we could do it on our own, but we need to remember that our trust is not in ourselves but in Jesus, because we are poor and needy, but he is the one who thinks of us. He is our help and our deliverer, our God who has not delayed. Friends, it is a great thing to be rescued. May we remember that as we step forward into this new year. Amen.